You can turn in your Bible to Psalm 49. And while you're turning there, tomorrow will be your last chance for those of you who've signed up for the Veritas uh, Bible course. It will be your last time for payment. So please, if um, you haven't paid yet, you cannot do the course without payment because we have to buy the books and you cannot do the course without the book. Personal problems. Riches. And next week we'll end this series on personal problems with poverty. So riches tonight, poverty next Sunday. Psalm 49. Psalm 49. <clears throat> Let's pray. Blessed Lord and God, maker of all things, visible and invisible, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, sovereign Lord of glory, we come before you this afternoon. And just as we sang that, Lord, when every pleasure has faded, when all seems hopeless in our deepest darkness, because all is not when we go to rest, everything calm and refreshing. There are nights of terror and fear, nights of anxiety, nights of little faith, nights of pain racking our bodies, and we do not sleep well. And so we come to you still. O Lord Christ, be our refreshment, refreshment and hope for the soul. And even if it's dark all around and we see absolutely no hope, Help us then to trust in the name of the Lord and to hope in our God and to fear the Lord Almighty. And even if we feel that our grip is slipping, we cannot hold fast any longer to trust in your strong arm, your mighty right hand to hold fast to your children. You who will never let go. You who say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You who say, nothing can pluck you from my hand. You who say, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And we pray this for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters, and even for some who are in the depths of despair. O oh Lord, Reach down when we cannot reach up. And speak to us also this evening. From your word and from your very heart. Amen. A lady once said to me, Without money, you are nothing. Now, all of us know money is not everything. Wealth is not everything. Riches is not everything. The Bible is, the Bible is not against wealth. It's not against money. There were some very devoted believers in the Bible who were rich people. Give me some examples. Abraham, Job, Solomon, Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus was buried in his tomb. David, Nicodemus. What about the ladies who were disciples of Jesus? Uh, it's at Lydia, 
the seller of purple, of purple goods, purple material. Uh, the ladies in Luke chapter 8, you've got these followers of Jesus, and it says out of their own, mean, own means they supported Jesus and the disciples on their missionary trips. So you've got a number of rich disciples, rich Christians, rich believers, Old and New Testament. Uh, and God even gives us all things richly to enjoy. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we just had a father and daughter camp this weekend, and there was a bry place. <laughs> bry is something God gives us to enjoy. Cremoratot, campfire, relationship, friendships, family, uh, the body of Christ, believers. So we've got all these gifts from God. He gives it richly to enjoy. Where does the problem come in? All right, we say money is not sinful. Where does the problem come in then? Love of money. The love of money. If money starts becoming your idol, if money becomes your security, and this is my strong tower that I trust in, and I cannot fail, or we've come to the land of milk and honey, why doesn't it say the land of grain and wine? Why does it say milk and honey? Because, because grain and wine, if you want to make bread, you need to plant the corn, harvest the corn, thresh it, and then make it fine into a kind of uh, wheat powder, maize. Maize is actually millies. Uh, and then, then you can use it and bake bread. It's a process, a wine the same. Milk and honey. You just go to the cow. You just scoop the honey. So it's a land of milk and honey. And the Israelites got there and the Lord warned them. When you come to that land, you've got orchards you haven't planted. You've got vine vineyards you didn't plant. Houses you didn't build. Cities you didn't build. You just move in. Be careful. Be careful that you do not become puffed up and say, we did it all. You didn't do it. God gave it to you. So that's when riches, when wealth becomes a problem. Uh, or the text I'm going to preach on God willing next, next Sunday morning uh, from Luke chapter 12, the rich fool. The, the parable of the rich fool, this guy who said, I've got it all made. Look at me. I'm a self-made man. I'm going to build bigger barns, tear down just to store up more. And then I'm going to retire and just sit back on my stoop and drink coffee for the rest of my life and say, look what I've accomplished. And that night he dies. And so what does he have then? So, like Amanda said, it's not money. It's the love of money that is the root, a root of all kinds of evil. We read in 1 Timothy 6, and it leads people astray, and it even leads them away from the faith, away from the truth of God's Word, away from the Gospel. Or you got the church in Laodicea, what was their problem? They were lukewarm. Why? We are rich. We've got it all. That's why we don't have prayer meetings at our church. Who needs the Lord? We've got money in the bank. It's dangerous. All right, so riches, let's go to Psalm 49 and answer two questions. First question, how wide is the problem? And that is in verse 1 to 6. In an Afrikaans Bible, it's going to be verse 1 to 7. So the heading in the English reads, To the choir master, Psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, all peoples, give ear. All inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I'll solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. 
Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. I know two pastors who did not take a salary. Actually, both of them told the church, we don't want a salary. And they said, I'm going to trust the Lord to provide. And there were reasons why they did this. I don't think it's biblical in every case. I think the pattern should be we should support uh, those who do the work of the gospel. There are many verses on that. But these pastors said, we're not going to take a salary. And the Lord provided for them. In the same way, he provided for the writer of this psalm or the writers of this psalm. Look what it says, that little heading or verse 1 in the Afrikaans. To the choir master, psalm of the sons of Korah. Who were the sons of Korah? Of Korah and the Afrikaans. Do you remember a man in the Bible who became rebellious and he stood up to Moses and he said, why are you the leader? Why can't we be the leaders too? Why do you think you, what, what makes you so special? And he, he, he was in rebellion against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And then there was a little challenge, a standoff, a duel. So the next day, the earth opens up and swallows this Datan and Abiram and their families and then Korah. And the fire comes from the Lord and, and consumes it, burns up 250 people and then a plague breaks out among the people and a couple of thousand die. But his children didn't die. Now the Kohathites, do you remember the Levites? The Levites were a group of people who worked with a tent in the tabernacle. They did duty. And then later on the temple was built by Solomon. So these Kohathites, their duty was, you can read this in the book of Chronicles. I think it's, uh, let me just check, First Chronicles chapter 9, if I remember. First Chronicles chapter 9, verse 19 to 34. You can read all about it there. So here are the Kohathites, and their duty is to do door duty. So they stand at the door to make sure no one may come into the temple who is not a priest, into I mean, the sanctuary. And so they do door, door duty like the temple police almost uh, to guard that. And they do service. So there are different things that they clean in and around the temple. And then something else they do is they the choir. So they kneel some Ricky and the music team and Dunette and Amelia and so on. So they, they the choir. And so now you've got these people. Now these Kohathites, did they get a salary? Did they get paid? Did they own land? Their own land. Remember the tribes of Israel? They got different pieces of land. The Kohathites, as part of the Levites, they didn't own land. Who provided for them? God did. He did it through tithes. People bringing cattle and sheep as sacrifices and so on. And through people giving pieces of land. All right, you can have this city, you Levites, with the pasture lands for the animals. So the Lord provided for them. In Joshua 13, you can read all about that. The lesson I draw from this is, who is your provider? Even if you do have a job and a salary, who is your provider? It's not your company. It's not your employer. It's not the economy. It's not the exchange rate. It's not whatever. It's not even your expertise and how well you know your job or you've got, you've got some education and you've got a degree. That you are not your own provider. No one else is your provider. The Lord is your provider. And especially 
the unbeliever doesn't realize it, but especially if you're a believer, God is your father, you're his child, he provides, just like he provided for these Levites. The reason I'm saying this is because this fits the context of the whole psalm. It's all about riches. And so he realizes the Lord is my provider. That's what God said to Israel. You get into the promised land. As soon as you come there, don't say, my own hand did this. My own hand brought me these riches and wealth. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 and 18. Be careful of saying that. It's not you who did this. The Lord did. Don't we pray, give us this day our daily bread? Didn't Jesus tell us, do not be anxious about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear? He told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. These things doesn't mean a BMW X5 or a Range Rover. These things mean clothes and food, what you need to survive and to live. And don't be, be all anxious. Or, oh, what if I, I'm going to retire soon? Or, or what if that day comes? How will we provide? And you get all stressed up about it. But the Lord says, don't be concerned. Don't be anxious for the day of tomorrow. There's enough trouble to deal with today. The Lord will give you strength for today. I just told someone recently, you know what the sad thing is? We get all stressed up about the future, and sadly, God is not going to give you grace or strength to deal with it. Do you know why? Because God doesn't give us grace to deal with imaginary situations. He gives you grace for real situations. And we think of all these things, but what if this happens, and what if, and what if, and what if? And even what if it does happen? Is the Lord not going to help? Of course he helps his children. Now the, these Kohathites, the, the psalmist, how does he teach God's people about wealth and riches? How does he do it? In verse 1. Well, it's a psalm in the heading, at least in the heading. Afrikaans verse 1. Or, or skip down if you go to verse 4 in the English. That's verse 5 in the Afrikaans. How is he going to teach them? Listening what? Music, music, all right. So he's going to teach them through singing. That's that's how children l learn, right? Do you do you know some Bible verses that you learned in Sunday school? <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. Where's that? Philippians four verse four. All right. So teaching them through singing, and the lesson is death levels all of us. The lesson is. When death comes, death does not discern, it does not distinguish. Death doesn't care about your status, your position at work, or how much you earn, your income. Death doesn't care whether you're rich or poor, you're going to the grave. And so that's the point he's trying to teach them in verse um, 3, verse 1 and 2. Okay, jylle Afrikaners moet bijblij met jylle verse. Um, hear this all peoples, give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. This is for all of us. Death is the great leveler. It humbles you to the dust, literally. So don't think you're someone because you got money. How do you come into this world? Bare, naked, with nothing. How do you leave this world? Nothing. You own nothing. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Proverbs 22 verse 2. So the question is, do you have, not money, the question is verse 3, do you have wisdom? Do you have understanding? Do you know God? Do you have real wisdom? The wisdom of life, the wisdom of God. You see what the world does, they don't have wisdom. Some of them have money and that's all they have. 
They don't have true understanding, true knowledge of God. So what they do is they got their money and they love it. And they sing about it and they celebrate it and they chase it, they pursue it. Do you know those songs where the world sings about money? Money, money, money. Must be funny. <laughs> In a rich man's world. And then, what's uh, the onion? so kondin met a million. Altijd immer groen is. Jy net a million Chasing it. Do we, do we sing about riches? Oh yes, we do. We sing about real riches. We sing about real wisdom. The wisdom of knowing God. So you see again, this is a song. And then in verse 3 and 4, My mouth shall speak a wisdom, meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I'll climb my heart to a, or my ear to a proverb, solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. So what, uh, what songs do we sing about real wisdom? We're going to end with one, right? Ons is nie goud of silver uit ons onmacht So we're not delivered by gold and silver. We've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. We sing of real riches, I, I hope. Uh, next Sunday we can end when I'm going to preach on poverty, unless you've got something, maybe a better hymn in mind. But one hymn, that, or one chorus we sing is, uh, Give Thanks. And then it says, And now let the weak say I'm strong, let the poor say I'm rich. So we've got real riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we got this, therefore, verse 5, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat surrounds me? Isn't that the time we live in? I mean, you go to a motor spares place, you get cheated. They go and buy it, like I said last Sunday, he walks into Midas and buys some parts and then he sells it at the, let me not say the dealerships, but all these fancy car dealerships and they ask you three times the price. They ask you an arm and a leg for something you could have bought at Midas or whatever other second-hand spares place. And so people cheat you, but we will not fear. We will not fear, though they do that, though they cheat you. When it comes to business, you've got a number of verses like this in the Bible where they make, where they make the, the scales. It's like they're playing with the scales. And so it doesn't work properly and you pay for a kg of flour and you only get 800 grams of flour. Cheating you. We will not fear when those TV preachers come and they say to people, just touch the screen. Just touch the screen right now and, and send, your, send your money. to. But please, no $1 and $2 and five, well, $100 or more. And so they want your money. They're stealing money. Just like in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Jewish council people, they, they're greedy. They want money. Jesus said it. They go into widows' homes and say, oh, the Lord bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Give, give your money. And this poor widow, like the widow who puts her two coins into the box. That's not a lesson about giving, mainly. The lesson is about how corrupt the religion was in Israel. How they milk this poor woman. Take her last money and saying, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. Stealing. Or Jesus cleansing the temple with a whip. It's not because they were selling stuff. They were supposed to sell, sell stuff. According to Deuteronomy chapter 14. It's because you can't carry all your cattle and your sheep to Jerusalem. So you sell it where you live. You get the money. You come to Jerusalem. They will sell sheep. They will sell cattle. You can buy again. But now you've sold ten sheep. Now you can only buy five. Or they shall sell you one with a blind eye and a, a cut in the ear. So that's the issue. That's the problem. But verse, verse 5, we will not fear. We will not fear even though they come like that and they do cheat. We will not fear 
even if there is load shedding and there's corruption in this country or the fuel prices skyrocket, we will not fear. And it's not talking here about poor people when it says in verse 5, the iniquity of those who cheat. It's not talking about poor people, someone stealing money because he, he's hungry and he steals, or he steals bread. Now that in itself would be wrong, according to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. Even if he steals for hunger, that would be wrong. But we're not talking about that. We can understand in a sense, poor guy, I'm sorry he's, he's caught and, and that's justice and it should happen, but I feel sorry for the guy who didn't have food. Here we're talking about rich people. It's rich people who are stealing to line their pockets with gold. And you see that in verse, verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. They are the people of verse 5 who cheat to get more money. They eat money, they drink money, they sleep money, they dream money. It's all about money, money, money. And then they boast, they brag, as verse 6 tells you. They boast in the abundance. And you see it on Instagram. And you see it on Facebook. How they brag about their money. This luxurious holiday. And we had, I've got this new car and I've got this bigger house. And like C.S. Lewis said, the problem is not with, with um, nice cars and big houses. It's, it's with nicer cars and bigger houses. Because I'm no longer content. I want more. And I want more. And I'm pushing for more. And I'm pushing for more. All their designer wear and Louis Vuitton and expensive watches. Look at my stuff I got. The psalmist says, verse 6, even though that happens, verse 5, I will not fear. Second question, how deep is the problem? Now let's go to verse 7. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. Is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, yet after them people approve of their boasts. Like sheep they are appointed for a shield, death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in shield, with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry, what? Nothing away. His glory will not go down after him, for though while he lives he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go down to the generation of his fathers who will never again see the light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. You know the history of Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun was an Egyptian pharaoh, lived a bit more than 3,000 years ago. 
And when they buried the Egyptian pharaohs, the Egyptian kings, they would bury them in large tombs like a small room. And with the pharaoh, what did they bury with him? <laughs> Food and luckily not his wife. <laughs> they buried his treasures with him, all his gold and gemstones, precious stones and other precious metals and so on. So they would bury this so that he can enjoy his wealth in the afterlife. So in 1922, they find this tomb, this grave of the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun. He's been lying there for 3,000 years. And where's his wealth? Still there. He didn't take it with him to the afterlife as they thought. Still there. So the, the rich person, he may have a very fancy tombstone and they paid lots of money for it. Maybe even have your, the engraving done in, in gold. And there's the poor man, he hasn't even got a tombstone. No one even remembers really where did they bury this guy. Both of them are dead. So the rich and the poor alike will die. And as we read in Ecclesiastes 5, 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, you're going to take nothing with you. You're going to turn to dust. Now, if you've got money, if you've got wealth, maybe you can postpone death. Maybe you can put death off for a time. Like in the Old Testament, for instance, if you had a bull, you're a farmer, and you've got this aggressive bull, and you know he's aggressive, and you've had a bit of trouble with him before, but you don't lock him up, and he kills someone, the bull gets killed, gets stoned, and you get the death penalty too. But someone can ransom you. So if they've got enough money, okay, let's buy an animal, sacrifice the animal in your place so you don't have to die. You don't have to be killed. So if you've got money, death can be put off. Maybe you can bribe the judge if you get the death penalty. So I got enough money, just bribe the judge, and so I can escape death. Or maybe, maybe you've got so much money, you've got a proper medical aid, and you can get the best medical treatment. All right, you can put death off for a while. Even if you're terminally ill, you can get all kinds of therapies and, and so on, chemotherapy, radiation, and maybe just live a little bit longer. But no one can put death off. You can't put it off indefinitely to say, I've got so much money, I, just, I can just pay the money and I'll never die. doesn't work that way. Verse 7, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Verse 9, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Silver and gold. You can never pay your way out and escape the justice of God. Proverbs 11 verse 4. You can go and check that verse. So, you cannot buy your way to heaven by helping the poor, by saying, look what I've done for poor people. I've, I've got a lot of money. I've helped many people. You can't do it. You can't buy your way to heaven by giving enough money to the church. And some preachers think that, and some people believe them. <laughs> So just give and you're going to be blessed. Prosperity gospel, name it and claim it. Word of faith movement. Can't do that. Why? Verse 8 and 9. For the ransom 
for their li of their life is costly and can never suffice, suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Your soul is too valuable. You are made in the image of God. And no one can pay that money to say, I'll pay and keep you from dying. I'll pay and keep you from God's judgment. And because that is true, how senseless of people, and even of us sometimes, when we start, when the heart is pulled toward money and riches and say, if I can just have more, if I can just have more. And you start chasing money and doesn't Mark 8 verse 36, didn't Jesus tell us, what good is it that you may even gain the whole world with all the money you have, but then you lose your soul. What does that help? You've got it all, but lose your soul. Why not rather seek eternal riches? Why not rather teach your kids that? Because our kids even, they, they live in a world, they, they're going to see billboards, they're going to see adverts, and everything is going to tell them, money, 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 chase more, chase more, get more. It's a million times, I'd actually say, it's infinitely more valuable to train your children in the ways of the Lord, and to pray for their salvation, and show, the show them the example of following the Lord Jesus Christ, and preach the gospel to them, the, the saving news. Of, of Jesus Christ rather than just training them and teaching them to get more and have more for yourself and work hard and get an education and you think you got this let's put you in the most expensive school and university get the best education possible you want to have the best possible career you're going to follow so you get a big salary and you you're pushing all of that but they die without Christ what have they got nothing Tell your children, only Jesus can save you from, from the grave. No man can ransom another, verse 7. But Jesus can. Jesus Christ can. He can bring you, verse 9, that you should live on and never, never see the pit. Jesus can, can make sure you never see the pit. Yes, you see the grave, but you're free from eternal death, from the second death. So tell them that. Tell them that TBN... All those faith healers, they cannot keep you from dying. Tell them that the best specialist in South Africa, the best specialist in the world cannot prevent you from dying. You can pay him with diamonds. You won't, he won't keep you from dying. No one escapes death. All of us will die, verse 10. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. And that's quite important. Leave their wealth to others. You hope your children are going to get it. Are you sure they will? Maybe the government gets it. <laughs> You've worked for all these millions and you leave it to... And eventually the government takes it. Or maybe your enemy gets it. Or maybe some stranger gets it. I've got an example of this. Apart from the Bible, we've got an example. Well, verse, verse 10 says, you leave your wealth to others. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18 and 19. Chapter 6. Verse 1 and 2. You don't know your children. Are your children going to get it? So let me give you the example. I actually asked my friend again. Just give me that example again. Tell me what happened. So I'm not going to mention the friend. I told him I won't mention him or the church. So my friend is a... I've got a pastor friend. And this friend, he says that there was this ugly divorce issue. And I think there was adultery. But divorce definitely. And so the man is terminally ill. He's going to die. And so he changes his will to make sure his ex-wife gets nothing. 
And I think they're still going through the divorce, something of the sort. Don't know all the detail, but this is what happens in the end. So he puts in his, his will, his final will and testament. He says, this money goes to my friend's church, where my friend is the pastor, Jesus' church. Okay, so the money goes there. And so the guy dies. And then my friend, they go, oh, their name is in this man's will. They earn all his, they, they inherit all the money. And so they have a church meeting and say, we're not going to accept this. This money belongs to that woman. And so they don't take the money. They say, the woman's going to get it. And they do. You don't know. Just like the verse says, verse 10, you leave your wealth to others. Maybe not even people you wanted to leave it to. These rich people chasing money, you know, riches, it's so unstable. It's so unstable. It's here one day, it's gone the next. Look at Job. In the book of Job, he had riches. He was the richest man in the East. In, in 20, within 24 hours, he loses everything. And you find the same in the book of Proverbs 23, verse 5. So it's very unstable, says Paul in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. And the man who has the most, the man who has the most money in the world, he's the biggest winner. I win. I'm the richest man in the world. And when he dies... You're the biggest loser. Because the one who has one rand and he dies loses one rand. The one who has a trillion dollars, when he dies, he loses it all. Like that famous illustration when John D. Rockefeller, the billionaire, when this man died, someone asked his accountant, how much did he leave behind? And the answer was, everything. <laughs> These rich people naming farms, after them and naming countries and lands after them. Verse 12 or verse 11, their graves are their homes forever, the dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. So you had this farm and many farms named after you and then you die. You know what the world's going to reward you with when you die? A hole in the ground. That's all. That's all you have. That's the only real estate you'll, you'll really have <laughs> is a grave. And there you're going to stay for decades and for centuries maybe and maybe for millennia. As it says to us in verse 11, the graves are their homes forever. There you live and then when Jesus comes, he raises the dead from their tombs, righteous and the unrighteous, John 5 verse 28 and 29. And the unrighteous and those who were greedy and those who, who lived for money because that's their God. What do they have? A, an ugly body. An ugly resurrection body. It's going to stay like that forever. Daniel chapter 12 verse 2. Isaiah 66 verse 24. So don't be stupid. Don't be stupid and trade eternal riches for temporary riches. Don't trade heavenly riches for earthly riches. Because earthly, earthly riches will not last. It's like the rich man in Lazarus in Luke 16. He traded this life for the next. And what did he have in the next? Nothing. But in this life he had it all. How foolish. You know, when you look at wealth, you look at riches, it looks like something. It looks like something. But, verse 12, man in his pomp will not remain. He's like the beast that's buried. You will die like a dog. I know that's harsh. That's not nice to say. This is what he says. You like the beasts that perish. When it comes to death, that's what it's like. And you would say, poor fool, poor fool. Verse 13, this is the path of those who have foolish 
confidence. Verse 10, the fool and the stupid alike must perish, just like the wise. What a fool, thinking he has it all. And the passage I read earlier in Ecclesiastes 5, what do you have? I mean, the, the poor guy, the guy who's digging trenches all day, he's tired, he sleeps well at night. But the full stomach of the rich, he's so full and has such a lot of meat, he's just he's got bad dreams, too much cheese. And you can't sleep because you're thinking of your billions and you're stressing and you're looking at the newspaper, the economy section, thinking what's going on and the rand has fallen and maybe you've got dollars but it's not going too well. You just stress. <clears throat> and then the, the rich people's kids, they see, my dad has died. What did he take with him? With, with him, Nothing. So they see the dad has left everything, and yet what do they do? Oh, they praise their dad. He was such a rich man. Verse 13, this is the past of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. And then they do exactly the same, these kids. They also, most, or many of them, also like their fathers, like those, they chase money. Everything is about money. But did they forget? Verse 14. Like sheep they are appointed for shield, death shall be their shepherd. You're going to die. It's appointed for man to die once after that, the judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27. Now do you want to escape death? Do you want to escape death being your shepherd? Where does the shepherd lead these sheep? Come sheep, come sheep. All into the grave. <laughs> do you want to escape that? The only way you can escape that is the Lord is your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. Not into it. Through it. And he will lead you not only through death. He will be your shepherd in life. He will be your shepherd in death. And he will be your shepherd forever. Revelation 7 verse 17. The lamb will be their shepherd. That's beautiful. The lamb is a shepherd. <laughs> he will be your shepherd and he'll lead you to fountains of living water. So you need this shepherd then. And then, then, verse 14, second part, the upright shall rule over them in the morning. I think that means the resurrection morning. When the righteous are raised from the graves, they will rule over these wicked and over those who just lived for money and whatever else. We will rule with Christ, says Revelation 5. And what will the greedy have on the new earth? Nothing. Nothing. End of verse 14. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. They'll have nothing. Their bodies will be consumed in the grave and they'll receive an ugly resurrection body and their whole being will be consumed forever in the fire. Didn't Jesus speak about the destruction of the body and the soul? Don't we read of an eternal fire and eternal destruction? Now immediately the question comes for us. Don't you and I deserve the same? So why don't we get the same? What does the psalm say? What does the next verse say? Verse 15 in the English, 16 in the Afrikaans. What does your Bible say? God will ransom my soul. Could, could the rich man's money ransom you? Verse 8. Afrikaans, verse 7 in English. No man could ransom you. But God will ransom my soul. Where did God do that? Jesus said he will come and he'll give his life as a 
ransom. What's a ransom? Like you've been kidnapped and I pay the price. But actually in biblical times, more, it's more a term about slavery, right? You buy the slave. He's enslaved. He cannot free himself. He owns nothing, but you pay the price. You set him free. So God will ransom my soul. Do you know what that means? That is a very good verse to use if you're ever evangelizing a Jehovah's Witness. Because they say Jesus is not God. What did, what did verse 7 say? No man can ransom another. What does verse 15 say? God will ransom. If Jesus could ransom us, who is Jesus? Then he's not just a man. Then he's God. He will ransom my soul. And how does Jesus ransom our soul? How does Jesus pay the price? Does he pay with gold? Does he pay with silver? 1 Peter 1 verse 18 and 19, he did not pay with gold and silver. Paid with his blood. Paid with his life. And if Jesus then pays with his blood, if Jesus pays with his life, it is not the same as I'm in trouble and another guy who's not guilty for this crime comes and he pays he pays for me to get out of jail. It's not the same. You see, Jesus, because he's God, his life has an eternal value. Therefore, he could pay the eternal price. He could pay or take an eternal punishment on the cross for millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions and billions. God will ransom my soul. Christ paid that ransom and he saves us from death and he saves us from sin and he saves us from hell and from the power of death. Verse 15, God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, the power of death, for he will receive me. What does that mean? He will receive me, saves me from the power of death, receive me. That's literally receiving you to himself, receiving you to heaven, like Enoch and Elijah. They didn't die, but God received them to himself. And God receives us to, uh, to himself when we die. Afterward, you will receive me to glory, says Psalm 73. You preached it this morning, Rolf. Hy sal my daarna in eerlijkheid ontvang. Vers 24 van die Psalm. So, verse 17. Do not, or 16, Afri English, 17 Afrikaans. Do not fear. Be not afraid. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. Why do we fear when people become rich? I mean, it sounds like you're saying, I don't fear when people become rich. Some people do. Because you think they can manipulate you with money. They can manipulate there. They can demote you. They can hold you there and you don't get an increase or you don't get promoted. They got the money. They got the power. Or they hold the salary back. Umendrik, remember that many years ago. That boss held the salary back, wouldn't pay. And they, they got the money. Manipulate. Or they drag you to court because I can sue you. I can, I can, I can, uh, what's Bekostig? I can afford a lawyer. I've got my private lawyer. You can't afford it. I'll manipulate you. And so he says, don't fear. Don't fear when they become rich. Their wealth increases. They've got bigger houses. We will not fear. They think they can do it. Don't fear. Hebrews tells us, keep your life free from the love of money, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, 
I shall say. And then he quotes a psalm. And he uses that word. Do not fear. I will not fear. For what can man do to me? Do not be afraid of these people. Why not? Why must you not fear someone when they get more and more money? Well, the next verse tells you, verse 17, when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. Is that true of us? You won't take anything with you when you die? You're not going to take money with you. But have you got an eternal treasure in heaven? Matthew 6, verse 20, we've got eternal treasures. Do you want that eternal treasure if you don't have it? I hope so. I hope so. Then be willing to say, I'll deny everything. I'll even deny myself to get that eternal treasure, that field, that, that pearl of precious price, the, the treasure chest of Christ, eternal riches. And get that and pursue that and chase that. And even the money that you do have, use your money to store up treasures in heaven. Give to missions. Help the poor believer to say, I can help. I can serve. I can lay up by, by good works, it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 18 and 19, by doing good. But obviously for the right motive and reason. You see, the rich, rich person thinks, I'm so blessed. Oh, I'm blessed. I remember at a youth meeting in Nelspruit. Uh, there were a number of churches there. And this one guy, man, he had it. He had this expensive guitar and expensive shoes. And he just stood there openly bragging about himself. Oh, man, just look at me, man. Just look at, oh, oh, I'm blessed. Oh, I'm blessed, man. Oh, man, I'm blessed. Now they think they're blessed. Exactly what the psalm says in verse 18. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And obviously, obviously others think the same. You know, oh, we praise rich people. Man. They're doing good. Have you heard parents say, when they talk about their children, their children are now adults working, say, oh, your kids, oh, my son does this and this son and that daughter does, and they're doing good for themselves. They're doing well for themselves. And you're talking about money. That's what they mean when they say that. Uh, end of verse 18. Though you get praise when you do well for yourself. Oh, you got a big salary. How wonderful you are. Actually, that makes nothing of you. Makes nothing special of you. Just because you earn a big salary. The Bible says true wealth, true riches is. He, although he was rich, became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. That is true riches, getting it in Christ. That is true riches, the riches of salvation. Ephesians 1 verse 7, 2 verse 7, 3 verse 8, 3 verse 16. That is true riches. Having true life in Christ. Do you have that? Do you have that? Wealth, is it yours? And if it's not yours, verse 19, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see the light. What do we call that place where it's eternal darkness and no light? All right, so can I close by asking this? Anyone watching online, anyone here, are you living for money? And you might very quickly say to me, no, I'm not, not living for money. Let me ask you the next question. Is money ticking in here? Is money in your thoughts and your plans? And that's the big thing. Is money keeping you away from a relationship with the Lord? You don't have a quiet time in the morning. Why? I need to go and make money. 
And you don't say it that way. But if it's keeping you away from the Lord, something's not right. Is it keeping you away from church? Well, obviously not tonight. You hear. But if that's the thing, and I'm going to preach to the other side also. If you're all anxious about money, you don't have it. But you can still chase money even if you're poor. You're standing in that lotto line. Lotto. Hope I cash in big. When you're living for money, it's keeping you away from the Lord, maybe keeping you away from the church like the rich young ruler, keeping away from God's word. Here's the rich young ruler. He traded heaven for money. Jesus told him what to do. Turned around. Can't do it. It'll cost too much. And it's choking you. And what does it help? Says verse 20. Man is pomp, yet without understanding is like the beast that perish. What does it help? You've got money without the knowledge of God. Shouldn't we have the knowledge of God? Isn't that eternal life? Didn't Jesus say that? This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. Didn't Paul say that? I, I, all, all of this, all of this. And he didn't talk about money there, but all of this I just counted as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. We can add money to that. Just count it as rubbish for the support. Yes, money is a very good slave, but it's a very bad master. Count it as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Did what, do what Moses did. Moses, all the treasures of Egypt, he had it all. So I'll just put it behind me. I found another treasure. And you chase that and you don't boast in money. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the strong man in his strength, or the rich man in his riches. But let him who, let him who boasts, boasts in this, boast in this, that he knows me, that he understands. Find the true understanding and then you will be like a man that I know and some of you know him too. This man was a very rich man. A man who told me, Ivor, I know what it feels like to put my foot down on the pedal of a Lamborghini and to own a Rolls Royce. He owned Lamborghini supercars, luxury cars, he owned them all. And then he lost it all. And he found a greater treasure. Our Father... I don't know what is in the hearts of your people tonight and I know some of what is in my own heart but even that it's like a well without a bottom can't always see far and deep but I know Lord at times money is a temptation and we know it's not sin to have a lot of money maybe to keep a lot of money might be sinful before you Lord but Help us to give, to have an open hand. And I pray, Lord, that no one would leave here or switch off the sermon online and go away and they remain dirt poor spiritually. And sadly, some be dirt poor for eternity because they die without Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would give the true riches that is to be found in Christ alone. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.